Under the Radar, bringing movies and people together, one frame at a time. Welcome back to Under the Radar, bringing movies and people together, one frame at a time. This week is the second half of our discussion of the career of filmmaker John Landis. Thanks for listening, and be sure to like and subscribe for more conversations about the films that inspire us and continue bringing us together. The, um, so they actually do have the Blues Brothers, like the, an actual band. I mentioned mm-hmm. it earlier. And I think that they, they do perform every now and then. Um, there's a one theater in Huntington as well uh, called the Paramount, where they did have the actual Blues Brothers. They had uh, Aykroyd and um, John Belushi, uh, James Belushi, Jim Belushi. Mm-hmm. And they have a band there that they, they perform every now and then. Uh, they tour as well. So that's cool. You know, just stick to the music. Just don't do another movie because, yeah, it's bad. The movie was just lightning in the bottle. You can never recapture it. It's just so unique, so fun. So that's awesome. Uh, Ivy, how about you? Uh, Favorite Landis film? Gosh, yeah, I I really agree with a lot of what you two are sharing. Um, I would say also um, one of my favorites is um, The American Werewolf. Oh, London. I saw that for the first time last night. Please take the floor, though. <laughs> I love yeah. it, by the way. <laughs> right? Yeah, I completely. It's so cool. Uh, I love it. I love the just those practical effects. Like even now, with all the special effects that we have, I think that that's one of that is the scariest transformation scene I've still ever seen to this point because of all the practical. Yeah. It's incredible. Well, incredible. I would say it's both scary and humorous because also <laughs> listen what's playing in the background, but that's part of the fun. It has a really good dark sense of humor that's actually well judged tonally, in my opinion. I think um, this is one of the first film, definitely one of the first popular films to basically fuse horror and comedy to just create this new, basically a new genre, I'd say. And Landis would 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 go on to direct many more movies in this vein, uh, most notably uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller music video, mm-hmm. uh, which uses the same uh, special effects, makeup effects from Rick Baker, and sound and, effects. Yeah, yeah. I'm just oh, I don't think there's another filmmaker that that really kind of du- duplicated that style. And oh, just this is this, an American world in London is quintessential John Landis for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I totally agree. I I think he he, you know, you mentioned the Thriller video too that really changed how music videos were made. Like he, it was the first mini movie, and for that to be our first, it's. I mean, it will always be. Um, you know, I think it's, it will always, in my heart, the best video ever made, I think, just because yeah, it's, um, it combines that horror and humor in such a, a beautiful way. Like, it, um, I really feel like a show, like, um, I'd love to see more. I'd love, like, what we do in the shadows. Like, I, I would love to see um them do like i think um american werewolf it would be a really interesting you know tv show done by landis i i think that 
he has um, such a gift for really making it, you feel like you're there and like you're experiencing, you know, what it's like for this guy to be, go through this insane journey that he just kind of accidentally fell into. And I, I think that that's what a lot of I love about Landis's movies is a lot of them are just characters who fall into these crazy situations and um, end up just going along for the ride and um, or they're the crazy characters themselves um, and or they get that way from the uh, with their environments you know that they're in so I feel like he he just has a way of um, creating these environments that you can't help but to have empathy for everybody who's going through the experience I feel like yeah. they're all very like ordinary people but the things that happen and, the, and they're in ordinary situations to a certain extent but eventually it kind of escalates into something like trading places things get really crazy really ridiculous and it's like how did we get to this point it's like um <laughs> with 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 werewolf in london it's just yeah you're definitely on that journey you're actually feeling what he's feel like i, I always imagine my hands like stretching and my face transforming and it's so <laughs> horrific it's yeah. like and there's also a really random totally random uh, nightmare sequence with like these monster nazis do you <laughs> remember that <laughs> i remember that I was like that that scene was so weird and it, 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 it didn't really fit but at the same time same time it kind of did fit and I, I'll, I'll just never forget that how how out of place that scene was, but it was just so well done, so awesome. Yeah. Um, also, the scene where um, where um, the main character is he's a he's transformed at this point, and he's basically stalking that British uh, businessman in the subway, and like that was so creepy the way that they filmed the way that Landis shot that. The sound design in that scene, the camera work, it was really, really, really scary. So yeah, Landis, he he really did horror great. Like really, that was definitely his wheelhouse. <laughs> that was yeah. and, um, and of course, you know, we talked about coming to America, the first one, yeah, is certainly an incredible classic uh Landis as well. Um, yeah. I'm embarrassed to say I, I've loved coming to America ever since I was a kid and I'm embarrassed to say I didn't know it was a Landis movie because I think it is so different from his other movies. I I just recently found out it was a Landis movie. Oh, which really? I'm embarrassed yeah. about. But um but I think it, it is because it it is radically different from anything else um, you know, that he's made. But it's it's another just classic film. Like he really has a way of just um, stepping back and allowing the story to tell itself. Like he, Coming to America also has a lot of the things that the Blues Brothers does where nothing feels like it's in a hurry, but there's so much happening, but he gives so much space for characters just to talk and just to interact. And, you know, you get to just see their relationships and just them hanging out together a lot and so you really get to know them and um the story is always like pushing you forward but it, nothing ever feels frantic you know it feels very relaxed and um even with all the crazy stuff that happens in that in that movie and um there's so many it's a it's a really classic tale also you know of um the prince who goes to, in search of his of his future queen and 
goes to Queens, of course, to find her. I mean, that joke in itself is is so great joke. And um, and just the, you know, that movie really made um Eddie Murphy into um a next level. Like it it really um I I read that coming to America was the one of the first um you know a movie that portrayed like a black cast is the it was became huge in Japan and that was like the first film of of that um to you know be so it really was a trailblazing film in that way as well um of really getting um uh, all you know african-american cast into the inter international um love you know that movie is loved all over the world and and I, you know, I think that's really cool that John Landis was was part of that, and and he was hip to telling these incredible stories and working with the best people. Definitely, yeah. That movie, I did, I had no idea. Uh, popular in Japan, okay, good, good trivia. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a fun movie. The uh, the sequel, which came out a couple years ago, coming to America, uh, not so great, but we don't have to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah coming to america was in uh 88 so that was five years after trading places uh by this point uh murphy had done the two of the beverly hills cop movies and um he basically at this point he was solidified as a movie star so definitely uh, a fun movie um also a great cast so yeah so guys um i just want to sorry i'm sorry sorry <laughs> Oh, sorry. sorry. I was going to say, uh, I uh, if um, viewers might like a fun thing, it's on um, Netflix. It's called The Movies That Made Us, and they have a whole one about making Coming to America, which is is really fun to watch. Um, just they, there was uh, fights, fist fights breaking out on, um, on set, and a lot of uh, Paul Abdul did the... Um, the dance sequence, which is super cool. And it, it's really fun to see all of the chaos that went into making that movie. Um, it, 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 it's fun too, because I mean, so it was so messy, but the movie does feels so well put together. So they did a great job. <laughs> and also a good soundtrack, good cameos, like the Duke, the Duke brothers showing up. That was, I couldn't get over that. It's so cool. Um, yeah. So guys, I just wanted to go down uh, Landis's filmography, and we did we touched on his the classics, obviously, but there are still a bunch that we did not mention yet. Um, I wanted to just go about, okay. So I I'm a, I'm a completist, so I wanted to see as much as I could of Landis's work. Uh, I went back and I actually saw his very first movie that he directed called Schlock. Um, yes. 1973 and oh ivy you saw it too right <laughs> I did. yeah this movie was so so bad but you know it's a, it's a first movie so you know and he would go on to create some much better films uh this one was kind of like about um a bigfoot type creature kind of like terrorizing a small town and actually the the, the bigfoot suit was was created by rick baker so that's pretty cool. And it did look decent, actually, for 1973. Um, I then went on to go see uh, the Kentucky Fried movie from 1977, which this was a strange one. It had um, the Zucker brothers were involved. They did uh, Airplane and the Naked Gun movies. 
And basically this was kind of like an anthology film with like different skits. And it was some were some were okay, some were decent, some were funny, not laugh out loud funny. But uh, if you're curious, that's called the Kentucky Fried Movie. Um, okay, we mentioned Animal House, we mentioned Blues Brothers, Werewolf in London, uh, Trading Places. So okay, <clears throat> uh, Trading Places came out in '83, same year as the Twilight Zone the movie. Now uh, I just want to touch on this real quick. Uh, it's it's a very unfortunate thing that happened during the filming of the Twilight Zone movie. There was um, they were filming a, a, a Vietnam sequence. Uh, in, involving a, a helicopter. Uh, somehow the helicopter lost control and it actually uh, crashed and killed, uh, I believe, three people, th uh, three of the actors, one of which was played, was um, Vic Morrow, who was in the, the first segment of the movie uh, where he gets kind of transported to different time periods like World War II and, and Vietnam. And unfortunately, this helicopter accident killed two people and Landis was actually uh, charged. Well, he was, you know, uh, involved in, in in legal issues in in regards to uh, I think it's involuntary manslaughter, mm -hmm. and so that kind of it it, it was a, a serious hiccup in the filmmaker's career. Um, but uh, he eventually would move on, um, thankfully, um, to you know some some decent films after that. Around this time, this was also around the time of Thriller. Uh, I believe that was a year before in 82. Um, but yeah, the Twilight Zone accident, it's very horrific. And, uh, you know, it's it just, was. you know, it's unfortunate. And really freaky because it was the Twilight Zone movie. So the thing yeah. cursed or something. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, if I may comment on this, I mean, yeah, sure. I don't want to go into too much detail, but, you know, um, actually this accident, even led to Spielberg wanting to pull from the project, but the producers didn't let him because, you know, then he'd be guilty of the crime, you know, Lantis would be guilty. So instead of doing like a remake of Monsters Are Due on Maple Street, which would involve special effects, he decided to do Kick the Can instead, which would be much safer, which you can see in the film's uh, final product, why this is one of the lesser of Spielberg's uh, notable works. Right. And also one other thing I want to mention, you keep bringing up the Duke brothers appearing in uh, Coming to America. Well, in the Twilight Zone movie, uh, in the Vietnam War sequence, one of the troops actually says, I told you guys we shouldn't have killed Lieutenant Niedermeyer. They made an Animal House reference to uh, the bully <laughs> Niedermeyer, who at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, it's reported that he was sent to Vietnam and was killed by his own troops. I don't know how to feel to see an Animal re House reference in a Twilight Zone movie, and it does yeah. go by so fast, it's like, why have it? But yeah. for those that really love Animal House, like myself, it's a nice little nod. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And all kind of expanding the John Landish universe. <laughs> of course, of course, wow. And also the opening sequence where it's like the two men driving in the, the dark road at night, it's uh that was uh Dan Aykroyd and Albert Brooks, mm -hmm. and they were they were it was very meta. They were like singing TV theme songs, one of which was the Twilight Zone. So despite this, despite the horrific accident, it is actually a really good movie. Quite and, great. Yeah, I, I I actually I love it, and and there's there's some really good practical makeup effects as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Twilight Zone, the movie from 1983 
it's really a, a forgotten gem. Underrated, I'd say. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> um, all right. So next up, there's a movie um, called Into the Night, which I really had no idea what it was until I watched it a couple nights ago. And this was like a weird like comedy slash thriller with Jeff Goldblum and Michelle Pfeiffer. And I don't know if you guys have seen this one, but it, it actually wasn't that bad. Like it, it's kind of like a, like an Alfred Hitchcock type of uh, situation. Like it's like, you know, Goldblum plays this kind of like nerdy guy. He's got insomnia. Uh, he gets involved with Michelle Pfeiffer's character who's being like chased by like a, a Iranian uh, terrorist or the mob or whatever. And they kind of like go on this adventure together. And it wasn't that bad. Landis, uh, he's, he's actually acted in a number of his films in this one he doesn't speak but he plays one of the one of the 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 mafia guys the villains so that's called into the night came out in uh 1985 same year as one of my all-time uh favorite landis films spies like us uh i don't know if you guys are fans but um again dan Aykroyd, he's back they team him up with chevy chase they kind of go on this like adventure uh, they're recruited by the, the the government and the military to basically uh, infiltrate some kind of uh, mission in 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 the Soviet Union. Uh, lots of fun. Bob Hope has a cameo in it. You know, of course, him and and Bing Crosby did a bunch of these types of movies uh, back in the day. I guess in the fifties. And um, yeah, again, lots of cameos in this one. Lots of fun. So Spies Like Us, love it. Just a, a feel-good movie, just like Trading Places. Um, and this is interesting. I just found this out too. Um, he was, Landis was actually responsible. He did this, he was responsible for the story of Clue. And he was actually uh, executive producer on that. So yeah, thought I'd uh, mention that. Never would have guessed. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was super busy in the 80s. Like that was his decade. You know, he was like making a movie at least once a year. Um, in the 86, he did three amigos, which, you know, childhood favorite, I, I'm assuming you guys are, are yeah. <laughs> I've never seen it, but it's on my list. It just never been high for me because while, while I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, while I'm expecting it to be a fun movie, I'm not expecting it to be top tier John Landis film, a mm -hmm. top tier John Landis film by any means, but Hey, I expect to get some good laughs out of it. It looks visually interesting too. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's not it's not the greatest movie, but it's really fun and it's really a hoot to see uh, Chevy Chase, Steve Martin, and Martin Short. Like the three of them, you know, obviously comedic geniuses, legends. So like it's not like one of those films that it's not here to challenge you, like Trading Places. It's just here to just give you a good laugh, make you forget your troubles altogether, and just have a good time. That's what it sounds like to me, and. Yes. I'm all for that. Yeah. We all need a good laugh in a comedy. Yeah. You know, it doesn't always have to be super deep or serious. Agreed. Sometimes we just need to be entertained for the sake of entertainment. I think it was around this time and um coming to America where he, he reached like sort of the end of his reign as uh comedy king or because he hasn't really done a horror movie since I think yeah, it was just it was it was it was Werewolf in London and Twilight Zone. Those are like his two most notable horror movies. And it's a shame. Oh, no, you know what? I stand corrected. I am looking at his filmography here up close. 
1992, he did a really good vampire movie called Innocent Blood. Um, mm. Not sure if you guys know about this one, but it's basically about a French, a sexy French vampire who moves to, I think it was Baltimore. Um, basically, she uh, she only kills uh, criminals. So she gets involved with the mob and starts like feeding on them, killing them, turning them all into vampires. The head mafia guy is played by Robert Loggia. And nice. he turns him into a vampire and he tries to turn his entire uh, criminal element into like undead flesh eaters. And it's actually a lot of fun. Don Rickles is in it. He also plays a mafia guy. It's called Innocent Blood Guys from 1992. I have to check this out. This yeah, sounds yeah. like fun. It's a lot of fun. It's got great special effects, a lot of practical, and uh, a really good cast, too. So Innocent Blood, check that one out. <laughs> um. So, yeah, okay, so he did – I actually didn't see this one. Amazon Women on the Moon, which also had uh, Joe Dante involved, who is also one of my all-time favorite directors of the 80s. Fantastic horror sci-fi comedy guy um oh oscar so this film i literally was just watching before we started uh recording uh this was a weird one of uh, sylvester stallone plays a reformed mafia guy who basically is trying to get his daughter to not marry this guy and there's like a lot of confusion and kind of like craziness going on in his mansion uh it wasn't that great um unfortunately uh, stallone did his very best but, uh, you know, one of Landis's weaker efforts, I'd say. I, I agree. I, I saw Oscar oh, as Oscar? well. And yeah, I just found it really boring and yeah. nothing much happened. It's, I, I, I kind of didn't really see the, the point of it. It just kind of was <laughs> dud. Right. I mean, you've got like you've got Sylvester Stallone. I mean, that's serious star power. They could have done. I think I, I blame the script for uh, for its downfall. But yeah, that's Oscar from 1991. Uh, in 1994, uh, Landis actually directed the third Beverly Hills Cop movie, which pretty much everyone that I've talked to about this movie does not like it or hates it. I I enjoyed it, actually. <laughs> I think it was pretty decent. Like It was basically Die Hard in an amusement park. I don't know if you guys have seen uh, Beverly Hills Cop 3, but yeah. <laughs> It was. I, mean, a, I, I haven't seen I any of the Hills Cop movies, but the premise, maybe it's not well executed. It does right. sound like an interesting premise, nonetheless. It is. Yeah. And it had some really good, um, you, I don't know if you guys are familiar with squibs or the, um, you know, like guns on set. Uh, they, you know, to make it look like you're getting shot and there'd be like these little like explosions on your, on your, on your, on your body which mm -hmm. uh would like explode into like red paint blood paint like like uh mm -hmm. fake blood that beverly hills got three had great great use of squibs i think and it was it was pretty funny you know it wasn't hilarious but it had you know it brought back um bronson pinchot as the one of the he was in the first film i don't know if, if you remember him uh surge basically he was the the uh the highlight of this of the third installment but everyone I talk to really, they, they're not a fan. And I try to convert them, but whatever. <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop 3, I, I think it's a fun movie. Uh, okay, so we're 
we're in we're in the mid '90s now with Landis. Um, he did the Stupids in 1996 with Tom Arnold, which was a ridiculous comedy. Um, he did Blues Brothers 2000, which uh, Tyler and I I think we're trying to forget, except for the music. <laughs> um, okay, he did a movie. Yeah. The same year he did uh, Susan's Plan, which I have not seen. Uh, looks like he was an executive producer on The Lost World. Not the Spielberg version, but a different version. Looks like a direct-to-video. Um, then he did not work between 1998 and 2010. In 2010, he directed his his last movie uh, as uh, as you know to date. This movie I I also watched today called Burke and Hare which was uh which wasn't like that bad it was basically simon Pegg and andy circus uh it, it takes place in the 1800s uh, scotland and they play these like two grave robbers who sell the bot the dead bodies to uh medical colleges and it, it had a pretty good premise it, you know it wasn't hilarious again but you know i i respect what Lane has tried to do here and it's kind of i really hope that's not going to be his final film because you know, it's not a great way to 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 sign off because, you know, it, it, it was a kind of a lackluster film. He was also an executive producer and a bunch of stuff. Um, but yeah, Burke and Hare was his last film from uh, 2010. Uh, I hope that he you know can enter like a new renaissance of his career because he you know we 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 named some great great films from the 70s and 80s. And he, it would be great if he would just return to that because he's not, he's not that old. He's, he's 73. And I mean, you know, it's up to him, but it'd be great to see him uh, return behind the camera. What do you think guys? Do you, do you want to see another Landis film? <laughs> of course. I'm always interested. He yeah. still has talent and he seems to still have that high spirits that he had years ago. So yeah, yeah who knows? I'd be down for it. <laughs> Yeah, he should do. Yeah, some- I, I would be too. Yeah, I, I, I would love to see him. Yeah, do more of the horror comedy stuff that he does so well, or or more music based stuff. Like I, I would love to see you know the, his wheelhouse, like the stuff that he does the best, like the horror comedy or the the music. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know, I always uh, appreciate directors who want to explore their projects or you know whatever they get hired for um and also i i feel like we haven't seen his best work um you know the things that he really excels at um in a, a really long time so it would be fun to see um i'd even see you know like a sequel to uh, i think he could get kind of get by with some sequels of his older projects if they were as funny you know as you know as those classic films so I I didn't see an an American Werewolf in Paris. Did you guys check that one out? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I heard it horrendously bad. Yeah, I yeah. haven't gotten. I didn't I didn't want to waste my time with that one, but um, it's it's like hit or miss. Like because Sam Raimi, he you know he he extended the the Evil Dead universe with Ash versus the Evil Dead. So wouldn't it be amazing if, if Landis would go back and do that with like Werewolf or, I mean, dare I say Blues Brothers? I mean, it would be cool to see an origin story, 
Uh, I know Tyler, you're, you're probably against that idea. If it, it just if it's done right, I think you know. Yeah, if it's done right, I'm not saying no altogether. I don't have any. I'm just saying if the origin story is handled anything like the Blues Brothers 2000, we are in serious trouble. <laughs> yeah. Or if the film takes itself so seriously, we're also in big trouble. So you know, right. It has potential. It's just how you execute it. What story are you trying to convey? Right. What's the message? I mean, I mean, but it would be interesting. I just don't know how that would work, but you never know. Yeah. It's a very like specific line that, you know, it, it could go either like horribly wrong or really awesome, but it's right. like, it's like in the middle. It's like, it's, it's so tricky at this point. Um, I mean, really, in all honesty, I hate to bring up this film again, at least with Blues Brothers 2000. While, yes, it tanked, they had something to work off of, which was, let's copy the same formula as the first movie. With the Blues Brothers origin story, you don't really have that. So yeah. that's going to be difficult, but also maybe very rewarding. Who yeah. knows? It's tricky because the the last time we had something like that, that I, I mean, I was I was actually legitimately excited for the Willow uh, TV series on Disney Plus, um, I was it was totally not what I expected. It did not fit in with the original film's uh, style and tone, and the story was just I wasn't interested in in the story or the characters, and it was just like kind of an an insult to the original film. I think so. If they do anything blues brothers related it's got to be handled very very carefully and by a fan someone who knows the source material and respects it and has a clear vision so i guess we'll i see. agree and i think i think what's interesting about like kentucky fried movie like um i i i did like that movie as well i i feel like i i Oh, oh, I'm a little embarrassed uh, by how much I love like Airplane or, you know, Top Secret, like these very broad comedies that, um, you know, really just kind of go for like very uh, obvious things. Mm -hmm. But I love those movies too. I, I wish actually they'd make more of them. It, it feels like that type of humor has gone out of style. And I, you know, I love a lot of the new humor. It's more, you know, much more subtle and dry than, um, you know, like a sight gag. But, um, but I do, I, I kind of miss those movies as well. I, I feel like, um, uh, uh, what's the, I, I think you should leave, I think is taking up some of that, um, Mantle, which is a, a wonderful sketch show um, where the sketches are really completely outrageous. And and so I, I feel like that would be fun, I think, to see if um, like they did uh, History of the World Part Two way after the first one so I think it would be I would even be open to like the a Kentucky Fried movie you know him doing that now just to too, just to have because the history of the world part two was also that very kind of you know lots of side gags and and kind of just being silly and yeah. so it even would be fun to see him go back to that it would be kind of sad to see him kind of just peter out from um you know these films that aren't that great when he he does have has contributed to cinema in so many ways yeah we definitely need more of him um i i kind of wish i i were around or at least a teen or you know an adult in the 80s to just enjoy these movies on the big screen with with everybody else for the first imagine seeing trading places for the first time 
in a theater. I think that would have been incredible. So, mm -hmm. um, also, I don't know if you guys know about um, See You Next Wednesday. It's a, a recurring gag in pretty much all of the Landis films where, uh, let's see here, uh, usually referring to a fictional film that is rarely seen and never its entirety. Each instance of See You Next Wednesday in Landis films seems to be a completely different film. And it's kind of like a weird thing. Like he 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 usually has like a, if it's in a movie theater uh, scene, there's always a see you next Wednesday poster or a reference. Uh, you know. It's like a random yeah. thing. Yeah, or it's like, like a marquee in the Blues Brothers. Like that's yes. where the cover are stationed behind when they catch the Blues Brothers speeding the second time they encounter them. I'm sorry, no, on the road that is. He he uses it in pretty much every single film. It looks like, and. I it's, even it's like a oh, weird thing. It's like just like a weird gag. Um, mm -hmm. kind of kind of like um, I don't know if you guys know the director Peter Hyams. Uh, he he I think his his ex-wife or his his wife's maiden name was Spoda. So he in most of his films has a character named Spoda, like you know, Bob Spoda or something. So I, I love when 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 filmmakers do that, you know, they have like a little inside thing. Um, so that's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it's true. Um, when um, in Kentucky Fried Movie, there's a scene where he's going in, there's a character who's going into a movie theater, and the uh, schlock is the movie poster on the wall. They're going in, he, he likes to reference his, his movies and put little jokes, private jokes in there. It's very cool. And and the, the scene in, in Thriller, the where mm -hmm. Jackson and uh, his girlfriend, they leave the movie theater, you could see a poster of schlock uh so, so it's pretty cool and um, they even mention see you next wednesday in the film that they're watching in thriller yeah which is great love it i love it oh also i just remembered um john landis he also directed the black or white or black and white uh music video for, for michael jackson wow so, yeah mm -hmm. so they they had a um a really strong working relationship so it's pretty cool so, yeah. Oh, sorry. I just I heard um a great story about Schlock is that he um it was his first movie and he got sixty thousand from his bar mitzvah and so he used that to make Schlock um and he he is Schlock he's the the ape in the I think you said that um but I I love that you know that he was like I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna start my movie career now and and he just kept getting better and better I mean I think schlock is a first movie you know is um it's interesting it's it's an it's at times it's a hard watch but I feel like in terms of uh where he went with it I I don't think um it ever would have been predicted that he would so quickly become such a, a masterful filmmaker um, from that movie. But I'm, I, it's still like worth worth a watch for sure. It's mm -hmm. it's it's not a good movie, but it's a it's a pretty good experiment in <laughs> filmmaking. And it, no, for for being a first film like ever, I mean, it's it's not that bad. And uh, he would be you know move on to do the Kentucky Fried movie, uh, which was just kind of just vignettes. Uh, and then Animal House was basically his first major film and then Blues Brothers and then, you know, Werewolf in London. It just kind of went up, went up, went up, went uphill from there. So, yeah, fantastic filmmaker. 
Um, I hope Birkin Hare is not his last movie. I really hope he does more stuff, uh, at least something in the horror or comedy genre or kind of hybrid, because that's where he really excels. And uh, yeah, just fantastic filmmaker. I'm so glad we got to speak to him about him tonight. So this is good. Um, all right, guys. So just a few minutes left. Uh, any plugs? Anything you want to mention at this time, Ivy? Uh, yeah, you can just follow me on Instagram. It's my name at Ivy Lofberg. Um, and you can find all my film stuff there. Awesome. Mr. Michael. Um, you can follow me on Instagram as well. I'm called Tyler Movie Maniac. I also do a blog named after my Instagram. So you can also check that blog out for reviews or film analysis. So yeah, follow and me if you wish. <laughs> And also we'll see you at Blood Manor, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely come by Blood Manor if you can in New York City. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> Love it. That's cool. Uh, as for me, if you want to catch uh, new episodes of Under the Radar, just check out Slam Radio SXM on Sirius XM, uh, channel 145. Also, uh, if you want to see video versions of Under the Radar, just check out the Manhattan Neighborhood Network every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, 11, sorry. 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Uh, feel free to also subscribe to the Unger the Radar YouTube channel and uh, share the love. Uh, so guys, Ivy, Tyler, this was amazing. Uh, John Landis is one of my favorite filmmakers, and I just want to thank you for sharing in my geekdom and uh, my love for this great, great uh, filmmaker. So Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. It was a real pleasure. Great. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Thank you, Randy. So guys, I'm Randy Younger. This has been Unger the Radar. I'll see you next time. Take care. <laughs>